Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I'm your host, John Schofield. Joining me is special guest from the Capital Gazette, Bill Wagner. And Chris Cervello is our producer running the board playing Old Man Radio. This is the Temple post-game report brought to you by Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis. And what a good one it is. And I'm going to start by reading from Bill Wagner's own story. It was an Army-Navy game type of weather day, but there was nowhere near the same atmosphere in terms of fans in the stands, pomp and circumstance, and national relevance, which I thought was very well written. Um, Rather, it was two struggling teams, uh, long out of bowl contention, and they were battling it out in front of a paltry amount of people. It was a sloppy game. It was mistake-prone. But in the end, Navy pulled away and won 38-14. People who stood out, Carlinos Acey and Chance Warren, as Bill wrote in his story. Um, Acey is kind of coming out now, and I'm going to ask Bill to to characterize this a little bit, how valuable he is now and how valuable he might be against Army as he led the mids in rushing for the third time in four games. He had 86 yards, and Chance Warren just rung up some touchdowns if you had him in your fantasy league. Two touchdown receptions, and he set up another one with a very long punt return. Special teams doing well, resulting in wins. And lastly, Isaac Ruas also coming out and distancing himself from other fullbacks and other running backs in the American Athletic Conference, quite frankly, um, rushing for two touchdowns and being that old Eric Catani fullback that we really need. So now we have two weeks to prepare for Army. But before we get into that, Wags, what were some of your impressions from the game, a game that we desperately needed to win that was sloppy up front that really had some doubt that we were going to get a W out of there, but we got it. Well, first of all, I'll comment on the reason I decided to go with that introduction. Being there on almost in December, it's definitely cold. I mean, just total chill. It, it felt like Army-Navy. I've been to so many Army-Navy games at Lincoln Financial Field, so it just was kind of really weird, the you know contrast between what, was happening in Lincoln Financial Field Saturday as opposed to what normally would be happening at Army Navy. At Army Navy, the place would be just mobbed, you know, packed house, all whatever it fills over 80,000 or whatever it is. I think Chris said 70 plus, but uh, whatever Lincoln 50, Financial 000. Field, yeah, it would have been packed. Instead, they announced the crowd at like 12,000, but there was nowhere near 12,000 people there. There probably no were. 4,000 people in the stands and, you know, obviously the meaning of the game. I mean, just, I mean, not many games across the nation in college football had less meaning in the grand scheme of things than Temple Navy. I mean, they're just, they're two inconsequential programs at the moment. And, you know, that's no offense. It's just your record is what your record is, but you know, that's kind of why I went with that intro. So, I mean, some people might have thought it, found it odd, uh, but, you know, it just struck me 
the contrast between an Army-Navy game at Lincoln Financial Field in December as opposed to a Navy-Temple game at Lincoln Financial Field in almost December. I actually would love for them to play this game, like, you know, an old Franklin Field, which I know doesn't exist anymore, but in a, in a venue that has a bit more personality instead of like the cavernous link that everyone so associates with, with a packed house and the Army-Navy game, I've hated that venue as a college venue for years since I was an undergrad in Philly and they were playing games at, at the vet, which was an even bigger hellhole. So yeah, I thought it was a very artsy intro. It was no Catherine Fomenique or Tim Prudente, very like St. John's liberal arts intro, but it was, it was a very good description of what we were looking at. Well, and it was ugly at first, John. I mean, the first half was not a work of art. It was no classic college football uh event it was bad football truthfully um neither team looked very good um just mistakes galore um the navy had you know ty lavatai was having trouble he had receivers wide open running wide open left and right and he couldn't hit him he just and now to in defense of ty it was 18 mile an hour wind so you know a couple of the deep shots he took they you know wind may have impacted the throw, but there was other throws that were shorter line drive, 15 yard throws. There was no excuse on. He just missed guys. So that was an issue. And then the one sequence that was just unbelievable for Navy. Well, first of all, Navy was up 14, nothing defense played really well throughout from start to finish. Defense played well. Uh, Temple only managed one sustained scoring drive, but uh, the defense had forced a three and out and handed the offense, the ball back. And it was a chance to kind of bury Temple. You, you go down, score another touchdown, it's 21 nothing, and this team's going to quit. Um, but instead, Ty made a really, really bad decision down inside his own, whatever it was, seven, eight-yard line, deep in the Navy territory. He made a pitch that was a bad decision, and it got batted down by a defender, recovered by another. And all of a sudden, Temple's got the ball at the one-yard line. It's like, I mean – just unbelievable handing them seven points and putting them right back in the game. Now it turned out not to matter, but then subsequently Temple's punt returner fumbled. He muffed the punt and Navy recovered at the seven yard line. And you're like easy points, seven yard line, punch it in. It's 21 to seven. You're back in control. Well, Xavier Arline came in because I think Navy was, uh, the coaching staff was, uh, upset with Ty for missing so many easy throws. And previously Xavier had made an incredible, perfect pass to chance Warren in the corner of the end zone. I mean, it would, it looked like a pro quarterback. He it was a very over, pretty throw. Yeah. Yeah. He dumped it over a defender right into chance Warren's hands. It was sweet. So maybe they thought, ah, bring, bring Xavier back in on the goal line and let him punch it in. Well, Xavier, fumbled on two straight plays to start the series and Navy was fortunate to to recover the ball and then Ty came back in on third down and threw another pass into the dirt it was just like unbelievable series of plays they had to settle for a field goal by chance by uh, B. John Nichols so the first half was ugly John to Navy's credit Navy took charge in the second half defense continued to play well Offense started finishing. Um, offense was given short fields by the defense a few times with, you know, stops and, and there was a fumble. But 
The bottom line is Navy took charge in the second half and pulled away to the 38-14 victory, John. Well, and and this gets me to my point, you know, that I'm going to throw it over to Chris because I love going over the team stats. And, and I believe these to be very indicative of whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. And again, here, here, here we are. I'm going to talk about the things that stand out. First downs, 21 to 11 Navy over uh, Temple. We had 21 first downs. More importantly, our third down and fourth down conversions were great. Eight of 15 on third down, two of two on fourth down. Time of possession, 37 minutes for Navy, 22 plus for Temple. Um, Well, it it basically ends up being 37 to 23, which again is what you want. And then a very low number of special teams mistakes and turnovers usually yields you the win while rushing the ball down their throat. Now, we only had 218 yards rushing, didn't really need more than that, but Newberry's defense held Temple to 84 yards rushing, only 98 yards passing. I mean, that's a D1 team that you held to under 100 yards rushing and passing. So, Chris, you know, unfortunately, we're, we're going to watch Isaac Ruas walk out the door as a senior. We're going to watch uh, Chance Warren and the rest of the captains walk out but I think that we're starting to get back to what you keep saying, which is good old-fashioned Navy football of a very effective fullback going up the middle, a quarterback that can read it well um, and pitch to those guys like Carlino Sacy and Chance Warren, and then have them be available based on the effectiveness of the rushing game to throw the ball a little bit. And despite what Wag said, and those were meritorious points, I still love seeing a box score where Ty Lavatai is putting the ball up 11 times a game. Now, he only completed five, but five of 11 for 57 yards and a touchdown. Again, strengthening that stranglehold on the quarterback position. So, you know, is this a sign of us, like, being where we want to be as Army lurks on the horizon? You know, John, I I don't know. What I see in the box score didn't match what I saw in, in the game. The first half really worried me. I felt like they went into the game with momentum as well as they played uh, last week um, and that they were going to carry that forward playing a very bad team. And it was very obvious that Temple is a very, very bad team. But we were sloppy, very un-Navy-like. So I don't want to be a buzzkill and I don't want to let the air out of people's sails who are feeling good about you know maybe getting their third win and winning prior to going into the the army two week prep period you know when i see the the game film and i watched it again again today you know sort of wondering if i was just being grouchy yesterday um, and, and I watched it again and it, it was still very ugly. It didn't get better with age. It just looks very different between the box and, and between what I saw on TV. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think you can pull some positives from it and I'm sure the coaching staff will, will do that. But I also think they'll pull some important lessons learned as they get ready for Army. I don't feel good about the quarterback position. I don't feel good that either quarterback is going into Army where they need to be. I do feel good about the defense. I feel good about the other elements of the offense that you mentioned, but I I am worried um, that if Ty is our guy, he's got to have a good two weeks of prep um, as he faces a decent army defense. Yeah. So Wags, what do you attest or or what do you attribute the sloppiness um, that, that was very, very resident there at the beginning, you know, a little bit of a hangover after a tough loss, uh, against Holton Nailers and the military bowl bound uh, East Carolina Pirates. 
um, it just a lack of focus or is it actually, you know, I, in your opinion, just playing in a venue that's that crappy. And, and I'm going to say it. I love Philly. I, I, I think it's just a bad venue to have a team that doesn't, that doesn't roust fans out of their seats to go attend a temple game to play it in a pro stadium. It makes it look Bush. So what, what did you attribute the, uh, the sloppiness to? Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I don't know why Temple plays its games at Lincoln Financial Field. I guess there's nowhere else. I mean, maybe they could go down to that Philadelphia Union uh, soccer field where Navy Army Navy soccer has played. That's a little tighter. And I mean, it just there is zero atmosphere at the link for a Temple home game. Um, you know, John, what could be the cold? It was brutally cold. It was uh, game time temperature, I believe, was 39 degrees. But with the 18 mile an hour winds, the windshield made it feel more like it was in the 20s. In fact, Chet Gladshaw, the athletic director, he was down on the sideline uh, pregame. And right before the game started, he came up and joined us in the press box. And he said, I- I'm not going to get pneumonia for this. Um, so it was bad. And and then Rob Dunn, another staffer, he did stay down on the sideline. And he came up and he looked like he'd frozen over. Uh, it was cold. So that, that may have had... Uh, tribute some of the ball handling issues. Navy put the ball on the ground five times. A tie, a bad pitch that, that they recovered for a fumble. That was just a bad decision. There was a defender between him and the pitch man. There's no way he should have pitched that. Then he had another pitch that was kind of errant. Uh, the chance Warren got credit with the fumble, but it wasn't a great pitch. It was kind of behind. I mentioned about Xavier putting the ball. So Navy put the ball on the ground five times. You do that against Army game over you you're not going to win so i mean that was my takeaway uh navy plays like it did against temple it's not going to beat army that's not going to get it done it has to be a much higher level of execution uh throughout the game not just one half of the game um i will mention with regard to the passing i liked some of the passing elements i saw even though ty did not connect on some of these passes there were some nice little shorter to intermediate routes which I liked. Um, he just he just missed on them. But, um, you know, I did like some of the passing elements that were added. Uh, but, yeah, Navy's got a lot of work to do. They better improve dramatically over the next two weeks. And, it, and I, to Chris's point, I mean, Xavier came into that game, I guess, twice he came in to replace Ty. Now, the first time, when I mentioned he threw the touchdown pass, that was because Ty got hurt. But then the second time, they it was just – they, they made a switch. So uh, the fact that we're in going into the final game of the season and you're still kind of not really totally settled on a starting quarterback and you're willing to put the backup in in certain situations uh, tells you something. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I'm going to go back to as we finish off the segment, um, you know, to talk about the defense. And, and then I'm going to ask you, Wags, you know, for a little bit of the, uh, the postmortem in terms of injuries and what it's going to look like uh, in terms of, of preparing for Army. But I echo what, what Kenny said, um, you know, his quote in your story, the defense was stout all day and is exciting to see. And, and it was. Now, to you guys' point, the only good thing about that Temple team was their uniforms, which I thought were sick. Um, I like the old helmet with just the number on it. I like the black unis, the like weird dots were a little bit much, but 
I thought the defense was just as it has been most of the year with a couple of notable exceptions, which Diego Fago pointed out himself. This isn't us being critical. I, I think the defense is really going to be the key to push this momentum forward and get a very competitive result against Army. Now we'll break down Army more in the in the coming two weeks. But Wags, y- your thoughts on the defense altogether, and then how did we come out of this injury-wise? It, it seemed like we came out pretty unscathed. Well, yeah, the defense played great. I mean, outstanding. I mean, you read the numbers, and that that's a strong defensive effort. However, it is, you know, the, Temple's not Army. Uh, Temple is terrible. Their offense was terrible. It was to the point that when they did finally drive the length of the field for a touchdown, I was almost in shock because I wasn't sure how they did it. Uh, but, you know, they have a freshman, true freshman quarterback started, Justin Lynch. He wasn't getting the job done, so they brought in Mariano Valente. He's a redshirt freshman. So, and I had told you on previous pods that they're decimated, and I think the TV broadcast said they were without 10 total players on Saturday. So, that team was just terrible offensively, and at no point did I really ever seriously consider Temple a threat to score more than about 17 points. Um, so, But that said, the defense was outstanding, and Diego was everywhere making plays as usual. Uh, Tyler Fletcher led the defense with seven tackles. That's a freshman. And really, that is the story of the defense. It gets younger every single day, every single game. Uh, they started a freshman at inside linebacker, and uh, you may have seen the report in the paper. I, I was just going to ask you, so it gets younger by the week because very abruptly, and your story was awesome, you know, very unexpected that Johnny Hodges left the program. So what can you enlighten us with with that? Because that is a huge hit right before Army. Now, I know that it's due to an internal issue, and we don't want to air internal or dirty laundry here, but... Yeah, Wags, anything you can tell us about why the King's Orchard product, which is a great high school program, and I was impressed with number 57. I thought he was a great little player. Not little, he's a great player in general. What can you tell us? I don't know any reason why. I've never heard of a starting player leaving a program. Uh, I I can't understand it. I don't know if he had a personal issue, but that's not how they referred to it. It wasn't a personal issue. They referred to it as an internal issue. So, I don't know what why, but it's bad. Um, that's the second inside linebacker that's left Navy this year. You may remember that Tom Atuatelli, a former starter, entered the transfer portal. So you wonder why you're rolling out freshman inside linebackers. That's why. You got the guys you were counting on are no longer here. But, yeah, that was a real strange one. Johnny Hodges did not start or play at all against East Carolina and we were wondering what's going on, so I asked. Where? Uh, well, first I checked the roster, and suddenly discovered he wasn't on the roster. So I asked where he is, and that's what I was told that he left the program. But but he was replaced by a freshman on Saturday against Temple, uh, Colin Ramos, and he actually forced a fumble, and he looked pretty good. He was running around making some plays. So this defense, I mean, I'm looking here at the the uh, too deep, John. Jacob Busick, sophomore, uh, backed up by Justin Reed, a freshman. Donald Bernard, a junior. Uh, no, he's a sophomore. Bernard's a sophomore because he was played as a freshman last year. And Clay Cromwell, sophomore. Uh, defensive tackle was two seniors at the top of the depth chart. Um, the Raider position is Nicholas Straw, but they haven't even hardly been using a Raider position. They've been 
going with this other defensive look. And that's why Tyler Fletcher's on the field a lot in a nickel type package. Uh, Diego, of course, he'll be graduating, but his backup now is a freshman, Johnny Woodson Brooks. Uh, Will linebacker, Terrell Adams and uh, Tyler Fletcher. Uh, well, it's actually Colin Ramos all of a sudden. That's what was listed on the depth chart, but it turns out Colin Ramos got his first career start. And Tyler Fletcher's kind of a swing guy. He can play inside or outside, but he's on the field a lot. He's a freshman. And then back in the secondary, safety, Rayon Lane is a freshman. And the bandit safety, Eavon Gibbons, is a sophomore. And they're backed up by young guys. So uh, very, very young. They're rolling out a lot of freshmen, sophomores on the defensive side of the ball. And speaking of changes, Navy also played its 11th different combination along the offensive line. So another slight tweak to the offensive line, and that was the 11th different offensive line combination on Saturday that Navy has utilized. You know, the, the whole essence of this podcast is to talk about the, the merits of the physical mission and the physical mission teaches you that when you get out to the fleet and Marine Corps, the next man up mentality is there and you're going to have occasions on your ship where your department head is out um, or someone gets fired or someone leaves or you're, you're on the battlefield and God forbid someone in your squad or one of your leaders is injured. Um, it's time to, it's time to step up and you learn those lessons out here on the fields of friendly strife. So yeah, you know, whether it's leaving the program for personal reasons or injuries, I think, you know, the next man up mentality is there and I'm excited. I'm excited for young players that, that we were talking about in the last two pods to get this opportunity to, to play against army, to take this win, to take the, the momentum and, and push it forward. And then all of a sudden, if things go well and, and the staff stays in, in place, you've got a really experienced yet still young team coming back next year uh, to, to kind of turn frowns upside down, so to speak. So, Chris, I'll, I'll hand it over to you for your final thoughts on, on the Temple game, and then we're going to head to break. And when we come back, we'll break down what else happened in college football, which was a lot, uh, and also a little bit on the Navy basketball front for men and women. Yeah, my, my final thought is, is we won. That's great. We covered. That's great. We hit the over. That's great. Now let's get ready for Army. Yeah, I was just going to mention something. Uh, uh, Tulsa and Memphis both won Saturday, and that means that 11 of Navy's 12 opponents are now bowl eligible. I was going to quote from Scott Strassmeyer's email today, which was a great piece of information that out there, the most bowl eligible opponents played in the regular season this year, Georgia is number two, tied with Boise State, Missouri, Auburn, LSU, like a very SEC thick. Uh, group at 10 teams that they played that are bowl eligible. Number one, Navy. Um, and uh, when we come back from the break, I'll tell you that everything kind of happened that needed to happen for, for Navy to sit there at the end of the year and hopefully say that they beat Army, but also say that they played two teams that are in the college football playoff. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Thanks again for listening to Sing Second Sports. A special thank you to our sponsors, Academy Consulting, Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar, The Graduate Hotel, and Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis. Now back to the pod. We are back on the Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis postgame report. Let's, before we get into what happened with uh, Navy basketball on the men's and women's fronts, um, let's talk about what else happened in college football. Notre Dame won, Cincy won. 
setting up the opportunity for two of Navy's opponents during the year to play in the college football playoff. Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma in what was probably one of the best bedlam games I've ever seen. But more importantly, you know, Alabama had a tough time with a bad Auburn team that was playing a quarterback who had basically one leg, barely won in overtime, you know, with some great plays by great players. I have to tip my cap to them. But in the end, I think it all lines up for Georgia to trounce Alabama in the SEC title game. They get the one seed. I really, really think that Cincinnati, based on what happened over the weekend, is in a good spot to get this spot in the CFP. Now, Wags and Chris tell me that I'm crazy. I- I'm, I'm holding out hope, and I really hope that Cincinnati takes it to Houston and books their, their ride to the uh, Final Four, so to speak. The real outlier here will be what happens with Michigan. If Michigan can take care of Iowa in the Big Ten title game, they're in. Uh, I'm personally hoping that they lose to Iowa and that Notre Dame sneaks in there. Um, and, and then you've got Notre Dame, Cincy, Georgia, and maybe a very, very good Oklahoma state team that I think could give Georgia a run for their money. Um, so we'll see what happens there. A lot of other stuff going on. Lincoln Riley going to USC, Billy Napier taking over Florida, David Cutcliffe, not going back to Duke. This is the season of coaches coming and going. So keep your eye on it. But in the end, the college football playoff has one weekend left to determine who's going to be in that final four. And then, you know, rightfully so the last game of the year before it gets to bowl season is army Navy with college football game day on station. So a very entertaining weekend that was very helter skelter, a lot of things going on. What else happened with Navy? So the basketball programs, let's start with the women. They had a tough, tough week. Um, they lost to Liberty by 21, um, on Saturday, 63 to 42, just not a great effort against a team that, I mean, I'm not going to disparage the Liberty team, but not, not a fantastic effort against the Liberty team that I think was gettable. The double, double machine came to a halt. Jen Coleman had 21 points, but only four rebounds in the end. It was not enough to see the Navy women's program through and they dropped one. Um, and then today, as we record this on Sunday, they played George Mason and dropped a tight one, 69 to 64. Uh, Mason was led by four players in double figures. Navy, Jed Coleman, 30 and 12. Um, we just got to get her some help. Um, nine of 21 <laughs> shooting, three of six from long range. Uh, she did miss six free throws, which has got to be tightened up. But Jen Coleman wags is just a difference maker. And I can't remember players gone 30 and 12 and been the type of player that she is. Right. Well, she's been amazing, John, simply amazing playing like a first team, all Patriot league, possibly player of the year, but it's not going to get player of the year. If Navy's not up there in contention for the championship. So Navy's got to be up high in the standings for her to be seriously considered for player of the year, but she's been absolutely tremendous. And, uh, one thing I noticed in looking at these two box scores from the Navy Classic is that Colby Green did not play in either game. So I don't know if Colby's hurt or what's going on, but she did not play in either game. And that's kind of the Robin to Jen Coleman's Batman um, with Colby is almost always the second leading scorer. So if they're without Colby Green for extended period, it just puts further pressure on players who – Frankly, you know, not, not too many other players on this roster for Navy women's basketball are capable of giving you consistent double-figure scoring. So uh, if, if 
Colby Green is gone for uh, longer than, you know, for extended period. It's just more pressure on Jen Coleman, John. We're huge fans of Toolman Tim Taylor and, and his program there. We'll, we'll find out, as I'm sure you will, Wags. Check Wags's uh, column or his byline at, in the uh, Capital Gazette for all the updates going on with the women's team. And as soon as we find out uh, what's going on there, you'll know. But, uh, you know, they get a chance this week to, to right the ship. They play Morgan State at home. Uh, they're in Alumni Hall, 7 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, come out and support the women's team as they take on another local team in Morgan State. Now, men's basketball. Um, after all 18 guys, I think I even got off the bench uh, in that game against Washington College. Um, you know, that Navy took care of business against a D6 team in Washington College, and I'm only being funny. I, I, I know that Washington College is D3, but you know, a good opportunity for all those players to get off the bench and get some good experience. And then um, yesterday, Navy took care of the Mount, um, beat them by 27. And the Mount, I'm going to have to go back and look. The Mount gave the Maryland Terrapins not – it was a hard game for Maryland. Um, so I, I, I was very, very impressed with how um, we handled Mount. John Carter at 18 – uh, Greg Summers with 11, Sean Yoder with 10. After that, kind of a drop-off. Austin Inge, I like seeing getting playing time now. He registered six minutes. I, I wonder if that's just them bringing him back slowly after he was injured. But, but Wags, you wrote a great article about all 18 guys getting off the bench against Washington. What were your, what were your thoughts on, on how they did against the Mount? Well, first of all, that was John Evans, one of my part-time employees who covered the Washington College game. The Mount St. Mary's game was a defensive masterpiece, John. Uh, Navy just got into the Mount and they, they shot 23% from the field. That would be 11 for 47, two of 20 from three-point range, 16 turnovers. I mean, Navy just locked down defensively. Uh, I mean, just an incredible defensive performance. That's what Coach DeCellis preaches. You know, 67-40, you're holding a Division I basketball team to 40 points, and that's not the first time this season. What was it, the Furman game that uh, they – what they – oh, no, Radford, 33 points. Radford, this, when they beat them 47-33. <laughs> this team decides to play defense, they can lock it down, and it's not surprising because Summers and Tyler Nelson and Carter, they're all really athletic, long arms, so – you know, that this team can play some serious D, and that bodes well because that's what, you know, it's funny. Coach DeCellis' nickname is Coach D, and he really is Coach D because there's not one thing he emphasizes more than defense. Second would be rebounding. Third, take care of the ball. Uh, fourth is offense in his list. So uh, Coach D has got his troops playing the type of defense he wants them to play. And uh, Navy's good, John. Navy's five and two. The only losses are to ACC schools, Virginia Tech and Louisville. And Louisville just beat Maryland. We know Virginia Tech's good. We saw that with our own eyes. Uh, very long and athletic and deep. But Navy won four in a row. Those two wins down in South Carolina were very good. Um, beating Furman on its uh, home floor. Uh, and now beating Mount St. Mary's. Mount St. Mary's was the conference champion and played in the NCAA tournament last year. So you go up to Emmitsburg and beat the mount on its own floor. So the, I think I think this Navy team's pretty good, John. 
Yeah. Well, scenic Emmitsburg for one. And, and yeah, it's, I, I jacked that up. I, I mixed and matched my, my two favorite college teams, the mountain play Maryland, the Mount started the year um, at the main line up there against Villanova and dropped, dropped a tough one to Villanova first game of the year. But this is not a team playing cupcakes. Um, the Mount's a very good team. As you mentioned, um, a tournament team and, and maybe a tournament team this year based on who they have. So very proud of that win. And, and again, the men's team has a chance to turn right around this week against William and Mary on Wednesday, 7 PM uh, at alumni hall um, against the tribe. So please, if, you know, if you're around this week, check out the, uh, the men on Wednesday and the women on Tuesday, you will be entertained. Uh, but I like the glide slope that the men's team is on. They've got a bunch of games here. One, two, three, four, five, four more before they start the, uh, the uh, Patriot League slate on New Year's Day, 2022. God, we're old at Holy Cross up in Worcester. Um, so, yeah, I, I, can't be, I, I can't be more complimentary of what Coach D and that team is doing. Very good wins against very good teams. And to compete against Louisville, I watched Louisville from up close and personal in the Bahamas yesterday. And they just took it to the University of Maryland, a Maryland team that's very good. So I think I think Coach D's scheduling is going to really pay off come Patriot League time. And as we saw against Washington College, they are deep. They can go deep. And they're getting guys back. Have yet to see Dorsey um, a lot. You know, what's the story on on Dorsey coming back and and his contribution, Wags? I have to talk with Coach Duchelis, but I imagine he's injured. And that's the thing is what, Navy has yet to do this season is be full strength. As you mentioned, Austin Injo, I think, is going to be the starting point guard eventually and let Greg Summers shift off the ball. Um, he just now getting back, and as you mentioned, he's going to be worked in slowly. Um, but Dorsey uh, got injured earlier in the year and has kind of not played much lately. But uh, I'll check this week with Coach D about his progress. But, yeah, I mean, this Navy team is going to be real good when it has – full strength and everybody available because that's not been the case uh, for most of the season, John. To review, men's basketball on Wednesday at 7 p.m., women's basketball on Thursday at 7 p.m. Both at Alumni Hall come out and support the mids. On Friday, Coach Kerry Colat and the wrestlers will travel out to Vegas. They're in the Clifton Las Vegas Invitational, and we're going to try to talk to Coach Colat and one of the wrestlers on our midweek pod on Wednesday before they go wheels up to Vegas. Um, and then on Saturday, we've got a bunch of other stuff going on track and field men and women are hosting the Navy invitational. Um, and then we get into women's basketball, closing out the weekend at Maryland Eastern shore mixed in. There is the squash team taking on MIT, um, on Friday and taking on Lehigh on Saturday. So good luck to all the athletes out there. So we're going to take this out again. Great win against the temple team who we should have beaten. Glad we did two weeks to get ready for army. Let's get after it, get a win and end this season four and eight um, with a big win against our arch rivals. This gives me an opportunity to preview the next two weeks as we, uh, as we set it up before we go on our holiday hiatus. Um, like I mentioned, we're going to try to get the, uh, the wrestling team on the pod midweek. And then as we go into army week, get ready for our daily pod feature where we bring in, uh, members of the brotherhood, 
uh, current athletes um, and other luminaries from Naval Academy days past and present to preview and get ready for the must-win game against Army up at MetLife. For Chris Cervello and Bill Wagner, I am John Schofield. Thank you for joining us on this, the Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis postgame report. I'm John. For Wags and Chris, we're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segments.